What's up, RPG fans? Welcome back to uh, the second part of our Game of the Year feature analysis. Uh, again, that's over on the website if you haven't checked it out. You want to read along, add your own thoughts. You can find us on social media and all that sort of stuff. Uh, this time around, we have traded up our uh, roster a little bit. We've got Jono taking a seat, and we have Caitlin Argeros on the podcast today. Caitlin, Happy New Year. How are you? I'm good. Better than than last week. <laughs> <laughs> Glad to hear that it's your your years slowly starting to ramp up. Yes, it can only get better. I hope. That's good. That's the best way to look at it, to be honest. And then joining us once again is Peter Schriesenberg. Welcome back, sir. Hello, glad to be back. We're glad to have you. Uh, Peter was almost not going to make it, but then uh, the city came to a standstill with snow. So uh, with uh, snowware to go, he is here. <laughs> yep, we had a massive ice storm last night, so uh, I'm just not going to leave the apartment today. It's cool. <laughs> it seems to be the safest way to kind of go about this, to be honest. I mean, why mm-hmm. tempt fate, you know? Yeah, exactly. And then finally, Tyler Trosper returns once more to Random Encounter. Tyler, welcome back. Hello, everybody. So last time we went through uh, the top half, I guess, or almost half of our uh, features, a lot of the big things, and we finished off with discussing, uh, well, very briefly, the top indie RPG game of uh, the year, which were Bloodstained Ritual of the Night, and then the runner-up was Disco Elysium, which we had talked in great detail about. And we're about to roll into our uh, big MMORPG or expansion of the year, the winner which was Final Fantasy XIV Shadowbringers. For myself, I've never played a lot of MMORPGs, but I'm not going to lie, what got me into it was Ragnarok Online. Did anybody else play Ragnarok Online, that little Korean gem? No, but I remember listening to the music for the second Ragnarok Online 2, because it was... was is Yoko Kano who did the soundtrack for that game. <laughs> oh, really? I actually never looked into who composed for even the first one. Like, I loved the soundtrack, and I listened to it a lot, too, because when you downloaded the full game, uh, even when I back when I beta tested it, you got all the tracks on your computer, so they're very easy to find and then just jam to. Yeah, it's uh, it's brilliant. Like, I don't, I don't know if she also did the first one, but she definitely did the second one, and uh, I love... I, I, I'm a huge Yoko Kano fan, so, like, I... Amen. Like, yeah. Um, but I kind of like, I've never tried it, but I kind of want to just because it's, you know, Yoko Kano. Either of you fellows, or do either of you play much in the way of MMORPGs? I, I know, uh, obviously we know where Caitlin stands, um, but I've never <laughs> actually heard either of you two. Well, Peter, you just got into 14 again or just for the first time, didn't you? Yeah, kind of. So, um, I, I played the, uh, Realm Reborn beta when it was first coming out. Here. And then, and then, um, yeah, back on it was on PS3. Um, and then I didn't um, get into the game for a while. But um, with all the site people who uh, who are big fans of it, I felt like you know what, I really should give this a shot. And I really enjoyed it. I'm almost done with the free trial period in Realm Reborn. And once my backlog clears up a bit, I'm probably gonna dive in and start uh, playing and, uh, and subscribe because it's a really great game. I'm really enjoying it. One of us. One of us. So when your backlog clears up, when you uh, retire, right? Yeah. Well, you know how that is. But uh, better late than never, right? No kidding. Nope. Tyler, have you done any MMORPGing? Um, I've done some in the past. I, I usually uh, just picked up like random ones here and there i did try uh the free trial for final fantasy 14 but 
my internet's like really bad, so I, I could only play it at like a friend's house. So I, I not I'm not in a good position to get into it. That's just not yet. ideal, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's totally fair. But if I ever get good internet, I would like to give it another try. Well, that's all good. Uh, but yeah, the Ragnarok Online was pretty cool. It was Korean developed, came over here. Uh, it looks like it was a group called Sound Temp, uh, kind of like a collective, kind of like, um, isn't Hyperduck like a collective? It's not just one person kind of sort of idea. I can't remember who that composing group. But anyway, it was a composing group that did the music for it. Anyway, it was really rad. But the game was cool. I liked the very anime-ish kind of art style of it all and the class progression. You get to it's very similar to like fourteen is, does that too, where you have to get to a certain level and then you can kind of open up into classes that are bigger and better. Or in this one, you start as a novice and then you can kind of choose where to go from there. Kind of like it felt very Final Fantasy Tactics-y in that regard. You start mm-hmm. with your foundation and then grow out from there, which is basically yeah, it's a really fun system. Yeah, it's it's nice. So 14, uh, we were really excited to get Caitlin on here for obvious reasons, being our resident expert of it, uh, of it, of it, of it, our resident expert of Final Fantasy 14. So Caitlin, why did uh, why do you think this one MMORPG of the year, which you know it's pretty much on our it's been on our top game of the year feature list for years now, right? <laughs> Yeah, so 14 usually wins are in our MMO category, um, in part because 14 is great, but also it's just, you know, most of us who are playing MMOs are playing 14 at the site. We don't, I know Scott uh, plays a little Guild Wars, uh, so, you know, there's that, but like, we don't, we don't have a lot of people who are playing lots of different MMOs, and since most of us are playing 14, it makes sense that that's the one that we play because we can play together. So there is a little bit of that, like, well, it wins because it's the one that everyone's playing kind of yeah. thing going on. But, you know, hard it's... hard time commitment, right? So trying to get into yeah. multiple different ones for different reviews, it's it's a, to ask a lot of the team, and we would need a bit bigger team to have even just, like, one or two people dedicated to just MMOs. Although yeah. we did get uh, – someone was in Elder Scrolls Online this year, too, so we at least had that. But it just didn't quite place up there to beat Shadowbringers, obviously. I um, I keep meaning to play uh, The Old Republic, um right oh yeah it's free uh you know the base game is free um but i just don't have time for it because you know i'm playing so many single player games either for the site or just personal enjoyment and then i have a couple of days a week where i play 14 and it's like it's hard for me to find the time to to, to conceptualize finding a time to devote to another mmo because you know like you said mmos are huge time sinks. They re- they require a lot of de- time and dedication to you know to get through all the content. So and and fourteen, I'm still doing things. I'm in the process of leveling up all my jobs and getting my crafters leveled in fourteen. So you know, yeah, I would like to play more MMOs, but fourteen is so good um, that you know I just <laughs> I don't have time for it. Which exactly is why Shadowbringers made it to the game of the year. So I haven't gotten this far into the content, but I also really like 14 not only for the social aspect of being able to play with the rest of the team at rpg fan but it is really compelling the world how they've adapted final fantasy into an mmo rpg setting they already obviously got their feet into it with 11 and there was the of course the failure that was the uh, beginning of 14 and then we got a realm reborn and everything's been trucking along since to shadowbringers now which caitlin's been on the podcast before both in her review and then talking about it there and the video review this is apparently some of the best writing final fantasy has ever seen so it is it is very much the best writing final fantasy is, or 14 has ever seen and well no final fantasy yeah i mean like 
everyone knows my opinions on the last couple of single player Final Fantasy games and how I think that 14 is far better than them. So, you know, but I don't need to rehash um, my thoughts on Final Fantasy 15 and 13 trilogy. Um, but yeah, uh, notably about with Shadowbringers, the main, uh, the main scenario is written by the same person, same woman who did, uh, for instance, the, uh, Dark Knight storyline, the job quest storyline for Dark Knight, which is, I think, still considered by, uh, Final 14 fans to be like the best job quest storyline, uh, in the game. And, uh, which I have not gotten to yet because I am slowly leveling my jobs and I haven't gotten to leveling Dark Knight. I'm kind of saving Dark Knight to be my last tank that I level just because I know the storyline is going to be good and I, I want it to be my last tank experience. <laughs> It'll only go down from there, unfortunately. Yeah, my, yeah. well, I mean, like, I'm good, sure but... I'm sure like Warrior and Paladin are, are good too. Uh, I've already got Gunbreaker uh, leveled, so, um, you know, I'm sure they're good too, but I know that Dark Knight's going to be better, and I kind of just want to say that for last. And unfortunately, tanks are probably going to be the last jobs that I level. I'm working on my DPS now, so it'll be a while, but I will get there, and I am looking forward to enjoying that storyline. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the story is a big part of why I and a lot of us love this game, and, you know, for me in particular, I think my hang up on MMOs for the longest time besides, you know, paying a subscription was just this sort of assumption is thought that, well, if it's an MMO, it's, it's an MMO, the story isn't probably going to be like the same like level of depth that a single player game would be. Cause you have all, you have to, you know, accommodate all these different players and different activities. How can the main story kind of uh, equal or add up to what a single player game would be able to focus on? And that's kind of the big reason why, I've kept playing, and I'm sure a lot of people have kept playing the game, is that this, the story, um, main story, side quests, all of that stuff, it really does uh, add up. It really does match what you would expect from a single-player RPG. And and I, I said this in my review and on the podcast, it even really exceeds what we've seen, uh, especially within the Final Fantasy series uh, the last, you know, decade or, or, or two, uh, it kind of, you know, is better at that than uh, than single-player RPGs. And then, you know, throw on, you know, being able to play lots of different jobs and having all these different dungeons and trials and different content to do. There's crafting and gathering. There's the whole, you know, the whole social aspect of being able to chat with and play with friends and do stuff together in a cooperative mode, although there is, of course, uh, PvP if people want to, you know, be competitive too. So it's just, there's so much that you can do with this game and None of it feels like you're sacrificing quality just to have it be an online game or for, you know, to sacrificing quality here in order to, to make something else better. It always feels uh, pretty balanced in terms of, like, the experience that you get from the different aspects of the game. And uh, Shadowbringers in particular, like I mentioned in my review that... I wasn't sure that they could top Heavensward, which was the first expansion after A Realm Reborn and was still, even after Stormblood, uh, the second expansion, uh, was still really my, that was the bar that I had for the game. I didn't think Stormblood really kind of hit uh, the, the bar that Heavensward put out, so I wasn't really sure that they could exceed uh, Heavensward. And I will fully admit, a part of me kind of didn't even want them to because Heavensward was just that good. And I was like, oh, I don't want something to be better than it. But Shadowbringers is. It it really is. It's kind of like the full package for Final Fantasy XIV and, and, you know, just as an RPG uh, itself. So 
I'm like pleased as punch that um, in our, you know, decision, our deliberations for game of the year that it won game of the year, um, which it, it has won in the past. We awarded a Realm Reborn uh, game of the year way back in 2013, I think. Um, and that was before I started uh, uh, working for the site. So I didn't get to really like experience the the joy of seeing that game win. Um, so I was really like, I was super happy when the results came out and it was 14 on top because I was like, yes, it deserves it. And this is the year of Final Fantasy 14. Yes. <laughs> and then it never stopped being the year of Final Fantasy 14. Yeah. I mean, we've had we've had that dedicated slot at E3 for the Final Fantasy XIV award for continued excellence in being <laughs> yeah. Final Fantasy XIV for many years. But that's the thing. Quality wins out in the end, and they've done such a fantastic job with this game, like just keeping it supported, making it, keeping the story engaging. Like, it's, it's really incredible. Which is basically why all of us are into it, right? Like, Caitlin's knee-deep into it, obviously. Peter, you want to be more into it, and you will eventually get to Shadowbringers, and hearing how highly Caitlin has spoken of it, I eventually want to dive into it as well. You know, when we got Mike Solosi, Salbato, all trying to work their way towards it. Uh, I think Liz is on the same level as you, and a few other folks are also playing it up to date as well uh, at the mm-hmm. site. And Tyler, if you, uh, you know, eventually get yourself better internet, you'll be on board and eventually into Shadowbringers as well, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm just hearing everything, especially what Caitlin just said, has me really interested. And it's also just recently gone on sale, so it's probably going to be a slew of new players just after the holidays as well, because I think it was like 50% off over yeah. Boxing Day and such. So there you go. What was the, uh, did it have a fun Christmas event? I got a Christmas card from them in my inbox. Yes, they, uh, so they, they always have uh, seasonal events every year. And for, uh, like, for, especially for the big holidays, like there's, right now we're in Heavenstern. So that's the, uh, the, uh, the New Year's uh, event, which is going to end in, uh, actually, it's going to end in like three days. I think it ends on the 14th of January. And before that, there was the, uh, uh, what is it, Starlight uh, celebration, which is their, their Christmas or, or, you know, Christmas holiday uh, uh, event and it's those are always little fun things like they, they, it's a few brief little quests with like some you know easy activities like the starlight festival is basically you direct a choir that's singing holiday music and you get little tokens for uh, directing that you can turn in for um, stuff that you can put in your your uh, your house on display um, you can get music and so usually sometimes you can get mounts or or gear you know just like fun like you know ce- celebratory gear it doesn't it's not something you would use for like stats it's just the glamour to like you know be in the holiday spirit so festive they, and fun why not yeah, so they always do that, um, and he- Heavenstone's going to be ending soon, and then you know they'll they'll have more seasonal events uh, throughout the year uh, that are they're Absolutely. limited events, like like you know they only last for like a couple weeks or whatnot, and you get your stuff and and it whatnot. But it's, it's back. yeah, it's fun. Like I actually, I had to do the New Year's event because I haven't yet, so <laughs> got to get that done. <laughs> there you go, got to get that glamour. Well, this is also the, uh, like, I mean, this is an expansion to an MMORPG, which is this whole category basically took in expansions, which is why Monster Hunter World Iceborne qualified as well, being such an ample expansion. It wasn't just a piece of DLC, even though expansion, I guess, is technically a DLC in these days, but it was so robust. And uh, like I said, it beat out the few other games that were played in the category, like the Elder Scrolls Online, because that just had Elsewhere drop, which we reviewed fairly highly as well. But Monster Hunter World Iceborne, I, I reviewed it for the site, and it was absolutely fantastic. 
I loved going to the snowy world, so it's also really uh, on point for the end of the year when we're getting into snowy season. But it wasn't all about that because as much as the new as much as the new location of Horfrost Reach was a joy to explore with all of its snowy wonderful goodness and you got these ice flows and these little penguins who naturally look like they're wearing parkas just cuz that's the way it all their fur whatever it is feathers grow on them and there's you know ice will break in certain areas and fall into the uh, the waters below and you'll plummet down to that and have to like go crawl your way out to find the monster again up on top and it connects to some other areas as it all does it also took you back to the old locales too so you fought these new monsters in old areas which could be a pain in the butt sometimes when you're fighting one thing and then one of these more new aggressive monsters comes in to ruin the party and uh, it was a mess it was a grind but it was super fun and i loved everything about it it was just it reinvigorated the game for me much in the way that shadows bringers was doing for final fantasy 14 it it made it a joy to play again and having some new combat mechanics in there too they have the clutch claw which adds a bit more flexibility for some of the weapons like i like using my big old hammers which uh, isn't as agile so when you have the clutch claw and you can get onto enemies a lot easier because there's not a lot of options to jump and mount monsters and be uh doing damage that way with the clutch claw it kind of shoots out latches you on in spider-man style and then you can kind of wail on them it was great alternatively i also like using the insect glaive and that keeps me flippy dippy and up in the air and two very different things so it's nice they have the option to do both. Uh, I can't remember if I've talked to you about it in the past, Peter. Have you ever done any of the monster hunting? I haven't. Um, well, I played I played a little bit of Try like ages ago, and I didn't really think it was my thing. But um, World has always looked try. really. Yeah, exactly. Wah-wah. I think I was in college. I think I was in college actually because my roommate at the time was super into the series, and he was like, "No, no, you do, you got to try this." And I'm just like, "I can't. I'm bad at video games." Um, <laughs> but um, Monster Hunter World looks really good, and that's all. I've always been super curious to try it, so I'm thinking maybe with with now that Iceborne is out, I know there's like a bundle that comes with both both of them. I might actually try to jump in, but uh, you know, hashtag too many games. Yeah, it's a <laughs> it's a legit problem. And uh, Tyler, have you ever Monster Hunted? Um, I kind of like Peter. I've like played maybe one of the older demos, like maybe the, for the 3DS or something. But yeah, I I'm also bad at video games. So I was gonna say, <laughs> given what you were saying about uh, like Bloodstained and uh, what was the other one? There's a couple. Yeah, the action RPG stuff you were saying is less your speed because that's just not your your skill set. Yeah, it just really depends. But um, yeah. I mean, I've heard really good things about World, so I, I would like to try it out someday. But yeah. It's definitely the most digestible and easiest to get into, for sure. Uh, and yeah, it is still going to be very action-heavy, So, which is, if you're someone who is good at those mechanics, you're going to definitely get more enjoyment out of it and find it more rewarding, mm-hmm. because it re- rewards good gameplay, for sure. But it also, you kind of can go at your own speed, and if you have other players to help you, it lets you get through a lot easier because I needed that just to even try and get it done in a decent time for review because it's just mm-hmm. it, you're banging your head against the wall in certain fights just because they're so challenging but on your own sometimes just to have that extra leg up to get through it a bit faster without having to grind so hard for gear or whatever. But it's a grind and that's what people want. You go in to hunt monsters, take their parts, make something cool out of it, and then go back in and do more of it. So, uh, Right. Yeah, oh. so I came out of it definitely a lot better than when I went in, that's for sure. It was a bit of a learning curve remembering how to play it again as well. And we've got more new content coming out for it. So this is a game just like the core world game that's going to just keep on giving. 
they released new monsters and then they just gave a new crossover with uh, Horizon Zero Dawn once again. And because it's Horfrost Reach, it's a crossover with Caitlin, what's the, the Frozen? Frozen Wilds. Frozen Wilds, thank you. It's a Frozen Wilds crossover, so you get Aloy again with uh, a new um, armor set for her. So now there's two different Aloy skins you can unlock and different hunts to do. So it's kind of fun. Um, to that end, has that has Aloy's inclusion in Monster Hunter uh, attracted? Uh, is it attractive enough for you, Caitlin? No, I'm sorry. I I played the demo before <laughs> yeah, the base game for. came out, and I I I actually streamed it for the site. Um, it's not Monster Hunter isn't my thing. I I wish it was because I love the Palico minions to death. I like. The, there's, the, there's their monster hunter event in 14 where you get a palico minion and i was all over that um especially because there's a cut scene of your your character talking to the palico and getting surprised that it's a talking cat and my character is a cat person is a makote that was awesome <laughs> you're like me um, but little yeah it's like why am i surprised they, they they do that that gag a couple times um but yeah i it's just not my thing I'm 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 happy that Monster Hunter World looks like it's you know it's this game that has, like you said, kind of revitalized uh, the the series for fans, and it's great that it has has this you know big you know new expansion. But uh, yeah, I'll just watch from the sidelines. I'll, I'll I'll cheer I'll cheer the hunters on. Like go, you can get that monster. Get get it. <laughs> I do, I do like how much uh, the the cut. The cover dragon from uh from Iceborne looks a lot like Trishula, the ice barrier dragon from Yu-Gi-Oh. So that that's cool. I like that. <laughs> yeah, Valkana was a really cool fight to uh, encounter in that game too, which is part of what made it so interesting to me. Because in the past one, you had Zora Magdaros, and it's kind of a very big set piece monster, and because it's so humongous and you climb all over. I've it. heard people really. Ha- I've heard people really hated that fight. <laughs> it's it's kind of dry because it's not very clear where to go, what to do. You have people just constantly yelling kind of commands at you of like, now go do this thing. Oh, this is happening, and it's just it's very slow and plodding, and you don't really kind of clearly know where to go, and you're just kind of meandering around this thing's body until finally it stops, and then you're just trying to basically very slowly and awkwardly carry cannonballs around to shoot at it and hopefully eventually kill it or scare it away rather. Uh, whereas the Velcana fight, because it's a more um, quote unquote normal sized monster, it's, it's one that you can actually engage with, but they still manage to have a very cool set piece battle where you're fighting it outside of the base. So you're trying to help defend the gates from this thing, attacking it. So you're trying to distract it from attacking the gate, but also trying to stay alive and also trying to do enough damage to it. Like it's, there's a lot going on. And then you have a bunch of other hunters, NPCs in the game, or if you had a party of four, you could all be ganging up on as well. So you feel like it's a whole team battle much more cohesively than the Zora Magdaros fight was. Even though the Zora Magdaros fight was supposed to be designed to be again, everybody in your base coming together to defend against this elder dragon. That's trying to go somewhere where you don't want it to go. Whereas this one, because right. it's so active and then everyone's there fighting it, it, it just felt a lot better and it was much clearer where the goals were as well because eventually, you know, the parts as the story moves along, the gates fall or you have to get inside before it does and then you shoot at it with this big giant like ballista thing. And it was just very clear what was going on and made it a lot more fun and engaging, which I loved that they still brought the set piece back in, but they seem to have gotten it right on this one. That seems pretty cool, yeah. And that's what the fights kind of remind me of. Like, it's very much a, uh, a light version 
of an MMORPG in so many ways because you're learning like its patterns and everything like that. And while it doesn't always telegraph them in such a way as uh, your MMORPGs will, if you know what to look for, having done the fight enough times, you know how and where to dodge, where things are going to land more often than not. And that's where the skill kind of comes in as well, which again, it's the same thing in Final Fantasy XIV. There's a skill to analyzing the patterns of their, their attack patterns and what timing and what state it's in and where you're going to move to get out of the way. Uh, ideally to not make Caitlyn the saltiest white mage you'll ever know. But if you stand in those areas, <laughs> uh, you'll get um, you'll get raged at. I understand. <laughs> Don't piss off the white mages like your life depends on them. Yes, healers are important. Don't make us mad. We'll make your life a living hell. Exactly. <laughs> but two solid games... Uh, like 14 has stood the test of time they've turned it around and Shadowbringers is no exception to a great pedigree that it's kept on building and Monster Hunter World Iceborne is more of what you want if you enjoyed Ice, uh, if you enjoyed Monster Hunter World you're going to enjoy Iceborne uh, there's a reason it made this list and then there's a lot of fun post game stuff with the guiding lands and all the new content that's going to come out like both games have a lot to offer people for the next year and then some until the next expansion comes out if one comes for world i don't know but there's guaranteed going to be one for 14 that's for sure oh yeah yes indeed so rolling over to mobile games uh <laughs> almost everybody's favorite category to to hate even though we all probably play something on our phones i'm sure there hasn't been a lot of rpgs that really attracted me like i've tried different things i think um oh what is it it's uh something frontiers Battle Frontiers, I don't know, you get a little party of characters and you can direct them around. They're very, like, hand-drawn looking, not quite stick figures, but very simple anime and you just go through, like, different stories. It's probably the, the best RPG I played for a long time until our winner actually came out and that was actually more compelling. Uh, does anyone here play any RPGs on their phones? Not really, no. Ports nope. or otherwise? <laughs> I have RPGs on my phone, I just never play them. <laughs> I, 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 I've played more than i used to I, i've been warping up to them more because i've definitely played the winner of this category and i feel like that it also comes part and parcel with just having the right phone these days too like mm -hmm. now, now that they're getting more powerful it makes it a much more appealing screens are bigger so you're not having half your screen covered by your fingers trying to like work poorly implemented controls which is usually the biggest issue which is why something like having final fantasy tactics war of the lions ported over to mobile games that made sense i love it it's one of the cleanest looking ports i've seen it's a lot of fun and it's probably the only way i can play war of the lions but i mean caitlin you have it on uh vita so there's why would you get it on phones well the slowdown is still a problem oh really the psp ver yeah i mean the vita version is just the psp version and the psp version had you know that horrible they never fixed that eh. yeah it lags like heck so I mean, they... it runs it runs better on mobile yeah, it seems to. Like, there's a few moments of it, but again, that was also when I had it on an older device. On my current Pixel 2, it has no issues, and it's and the uh, the cleanup of the graphics they did, too, when they patched it a couple years back is really nice and crisp as well. And yeah, it's it's a gem. So whether it's a port or not, there's obviously plenty to play, but uh, the winner of this category was another Eden, the Cat Beyond Time and Space, which is a super obvious love letter to Chrono Trigger. Mm -hmm. translated into oh, like, yeah. kind of side-scrolling rpg terms it's it was good it it um i find it gets a bit bogged down and with like the side questiness of it because you're just kind of basically going from quest to quest the story's all right mm -hmm. the art style is really neat 
and it's compelling enough. Tyler, you said you played it. I'll let you chat a bit more about it. Okay. Um, well, yeah, I really, I really, really liked it. I haven't played it in a while. Um, but when I played it, like the battle system is pretty straightforward and pretty good. I, I, it definitely is a, like a, a homage to Chrono games. Cause I even like has some nods to Chrono Cross. I feel it sometimes. Like I, I remember there were some stores ahead, like the Mojo from Chrono Cross looking kind of wood straw character showing up. Um, but oh, cool. The voodoo, the voodoo doll guy. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like, Wow, but yeah, um, is it? Didn't Masato Kato work on this yes. game? I thought yeah, I think it has he, some team yeah. members from it too, and yeah, yeah, he wrote. Yes, he it. was the lead writer. Yes, he is. Um, so yeah, it's really good. Um, like the, I mean, some of the characters aren't so great, but uh, a lot of them are, are are pretty interesting at least. And um, yeah, I was I was really addicted to it for a while, but I kind of it got really difficult after a while and i i, I just there is keep some up spikes with it. for sure yeah and i i don't know i, I sometimes it i put, to grind it yeah like i wanted mm-hmm. to play more of it and i was like well i've played so much that i should probably like pay for it because it's i mean it's absolutely free besides some in-game purchases but um it's kind of yeah, some of it's kind of what i was gonna ask some of it's kind of <laughs> pricey but like for the most part, you don't really have to pay anything at all. I mean, if you're yeah, the gacha's not too in your face and no. necessary. Yeah, no, it's not at all. So yeah, I really, I really, really like, and I really want to go back to it one of these days. But yeah, you yeah. played it too, Peter? No, no, I haven't played it. Um, I was curious about whether or not it had like microtransactions. Um, it mostly just does to get more gacha draws. Like I don't yeah, think yeah, there's right. anything that unlocks story or anything. Like they're their extra story content mostly comes from uh it's like they, they have like events of course so mm-hmm. stuff right like limited events like a, i've like seen persona 5 crossover which i wanted to try out just so i was very curious how that was going to work in this world but when it mm-hmm. spans all time frames it makes sense yeah it's one of those things where it's like i don't think the i, the, I get the the microtransaction model especially in mobile games is part of their business and you know on the surface it, it really just comes down to how um how it's implemented and how the game is balanced around it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's very well balanced. I find in this one, the other thing that that story, okay. I guess opens up with is in the gacha mechanics of depending on what characters you have, certain quests will be open that expands storylines mm-hmm. that they're tied to, but there's so many characters that you'll likely get through the free gacha aspect as it is that it's going to be a while for you to even get through enough of that content to feel like, man, I sure wish I had something to do. Like there's right. always a quest. There's always, a story plot point something to do in that game which is part of the joy of it and what makes you feel like you're playing an actually fully fleshed out single player rpg but it gets kind of samey so like i I find you have to take it in doses which is why you kind of bounced off it for a bit and then i'll probably go back at some point exactly i think i got burned out but yeah i mean even without even the gotcha elements you get characters through the storyline as well so sometimes it doesn't even seem necessary to do the Gotcha and the elements. combat's really pretty simple and straightforward, but still kind of fun. It has a cool tactical element mm-hmm. where you can tr- swap your characters in and out. And like I said, mm-hmm. graphically, it stands up well with its kind of, as um, Pete described it, it's a, uh, Pete, leave it, not uh, you, Peter, who described it kind of like mm-hmm. a paper doll style, which is very much an accurate description oh. of the characters. The voice work mm-hmm. from them is really neat. It's overall a very fun and 
probably one of the the most robust and satisfying mobile games out there that you can play, and it's free to play, which is great. Mm-hmm. Romancing Saga Three was our runner up. Uh, <laughs> if Jono was here, he would have things to say about that, I am sure, since he did not like it whatsoever and bounced off it quite hard. But it's again, if if people like Romancing Saga, let alone Romancing Saga Three, then they're gonna love the fact that they can play this port on their phone. I am interested in Romancing Saga. I I think it's got a very cool, I guess, application of its learning skills while you're doing, kind of like Final Fantasy II, but it sounds like it's being implemented better. Like, II was kind of the testing ground, and they took that system and moved it over to Romancing Saga. But Yeah, it's the same guy. Uh, oh, okay. He, he's always been a really interesting game developer like um he makes really offbeat stuff uh he did final fantasy 2 he did uh the saga games and he picked up a uh, final fantasy 12 where um uh, matsuno left off when mm-hmm. matsuno left the company and uh we can all blame him for the zodiac spear thing in the uh, original version <laughs> um but uh yeah he's 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 a really interesting game developer it's one of those things where i think he hits a particular niche of people who really like to kind of uh fiddle with their uh their rpgs and have a lot of freedom but um Which they also the aren't very good at they're also not very good at telling you uh where to go or what to do you kind of <laughs> gotta figure it out kind of get... i have romancing saga 2 i haven't played 3 yet well it looks fantastic and with this new remaster putting it on the phones and stuff it looks wonderful yeah I love the graphical style. If um, if we ever get like a proper FF FF six port, I want it to look like this. <laughs> oh, I agree. Like that's definitely the highlights. And like between this and its stellar soundtrack, those are the two highest points for John on his review as well. But he found the story is subpar, and yeah, with its finicky gameplay system, he didn't take to it as much as other people do. Again, it's cool that you learn skills by applying them and such, but it's just. Again, it's it's not everybody's cup of tea. There's a reason for myself too. Well, I've bounced off to Final Fantasy two, and I want to go back to it at some point. But it's you got to know what you're signing up for with these titles. Um, uh, Caitlin or Tyler, have either of you ever romanced your sagas? Not this saga, no. Have you played like even the first one, or have you done um, Saga Frontier or anything? Uh oh. Well, I I played Saga Frontier way back in the day and didn't really get into it that much. I mean, I didn't dislike it, but I don't know. I think I I don't remember if I got distracted, which is a thing that often happens, or if I just didn't get into it enough to want to keep playing it um way back in the in the day in the This was what PS1, I think. That's yeah, I think it was. Yeah. You know, it might have been a rental, and so I tr- I tried it for a little while and didn't get far enough to want to re-rent it. I, that might have been... Because I don't think I bought it. I think I t- only had it for a little while. So it was probably... It was back in the Blockbuster days where, like, I rented a game for, like, five days, and if I didn't really like it in five days, I didn't, uh, didn't re-rent it. Which I miss being uh, able to demo things rip. that way. Yeah... You guys remember demo discs? Those things were rad. Yes! Oh, oh my like god, those things stuff. were amazing. <laughs> oh, I love those. Mm-hmm. I still have a few demo discs just because uh, they had some really fun stuff or like, you know, some cool music that's only on the demo disc and not in the actual game, you know? Yeah, well, right. There's always like yeah, an like alpha you... version sometimes too, so you could do stuff that either got later taken out or was yeah. better perfected or whatever. And I think I've told the story before. Um, I got Brave Fencer Musashi for the demo disc that came with it. 
Which was seven. Right. <laughs> was it, I think it was eight. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, I think it was eight. Yeah. yeah. Right, because I wanted to play seven. that demo. So I bought, I, got, I had my, I think I bought, I, this is when I was young enough that I had my parents get me this game. But <laughs> I got it. And it ended up being like the best decision I ever made because I, I fell in love with Musashi and uh, it's one of my favorite, you know, PS1 gems. It's a fun so. romp. Yeah. It is. It's really it fun. needs a yeah. remaster. God damn it. Well, I wouldn't be shocked considering it sounds like they want to update almost their entire catalog because it was Square Enix as well, wasn't it? Or was Square Soft at that point? It, at that yeah, point, it was, yeah, it was, it was Square a Square Soft. Soft. Yeah, so yeah. I wouldn't be shocked if it's going to come down the pipeline at some point. Please. It would have been great on the uh, the DS. It would have Yeah, it would have worked perfectly with that. Squaresoft, remake Parasite Eve. I will give you all my money. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, can you imagine Parasite Eve with like the production <sighs> values of Final Fantasy VII Remake? Oh, my God. God. That so would be amazing. amazing. <laughs> I want to... Now, okay, uh, shame on me for putting that idea into everybody's heads because yeah. now we're going to be... Now, now I want it. Yeah. It's okay. We can wildly speculate. It's end of the year, right? Final Fantasy VII Remake Part Two will come with um, a demo disc for Parasite Eve Remake. I uh, yes. Okay, yeah. I'd be down for uh, that. Well, back to this. Uh, Tyler, have you done the Romancing Saga in any way? Um, not really so much. I think I rented uh, Unlimited Saga once a long time ago, and I didn't Ugh. care. Yeah, I didn't care for it, so that kind of threw me off the series in general. Yeah, it's. It's take it or leave it, but it stands up as being a good game to have on phones. It doesn't seem super demanding. I mean, of the two, I would definitely push people more towards another Eden, but uh, mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. you'll take it from it what you want, right? It's One's a lot more light and fun. The other one's a fully fleshed out game. So while you're going to have to suffer through gacha mechanics and everything, it's you're going to get one or the other. It depends on what you want to pay for, right? So either way, both stand up titles, depending on your tastes. And uh, we're never going to be without something to play on our phones, whether it's a port or otherwise. But uh, moving along, we've got some unconventional or hybrid categories because there's a lot of adjacent stuff that we cover at RPG Fan, you know, stuff that isn't quite a solid RPG. I mean, we definitely bend the rules for Legend of Zelda. We've talked about that before, Uh, but it doesn't really fall into that category. But we have stuff that we'll cover that may not be an RPG outright, but it's references to rpg material like left alive there's a reason why it's not on this list and um (laughs) but it's takes place in the front mission world right so for us we uh, got to look at some stuff i mean dragon quest builders was our winner i'd say it's a much more direct reference to its material even though it's a builder game so it's very much in the vein of seeking the success that minecraft opened up with its whole building things genre in the cuboid world but it still has a lot of RPG elements with how you quest and build and everything like that, your characters-wise. I have been attracted to Dragon Quest Builders since the first time around. Rob Steinman had a lot of good stuff to say about it on the podcast, but it was enough to make me go, uh, with his hesitation, it was enough to make me wait for the second one, where apparently they have perfected things to such a degree. Even though combat can still get better, it's apparently a lot more interesting this time around. We've seen the success of Minecraft, and this seems to be going well enough that they got a second out of it and then if you like dragon quest in your minecraft then this is the way to go i have yet to get the second one just because time and money commitments uh like i haven't gotten a chance to play a lot of on this list because of those reasons has anyone here been has been building up a storm nope sorry i'm really i'm really boring oh that's okay 
I tried the demo. Um, I was, I'm a, a still a novice to the Dragon Quest series in general, but I, I really really liked the demo a lot. It was just so charming, and it. I'm not really into uh, builder games either, but that game from the demo was really good. But I haven't gotten around to getting the full thing. Well, it's the charm of having yeah that Dragon Quest veneer over it all, but some of the issue that people have with Minecraft is that there's just no direction. Mm-hmm. You're just kind of making it up as you go, which is great if you're a kid who likes playing with Lego. You just get to build stuff and no one gets to tell you no. You can just do that. But having, you know, a specific quest is something that other people need. People want structure. And having certain assignments to kind of pursue definitely is uh, appealing in uh, having this kind of uh, take on the game. And you still have the freedom once you get through things and unlock stuff to just build whatever you want and make ridiculous structures. And they're going to obviously add more fandom content and stuff as it goes on. Uh, Peter, did you ever try either the demo or the actual game itself? I did play the demo. Um, I really like Dragon Quest, but yeah, it's unfortunately the genre isn't really my thing, and so I, I didn't really play it very much. Um, maybe maybe one of these days I'll give it another shot, though. Yeah, it's totally fair. I mean, it's an action RPG, and uh, <laughs> again, we've ex- we've explored this with both yourself and uh, Tyler that the action RPG thing isn't always your bag. So I'm not shocked that you've bounced off this one. But again, it's attractive enough that it's worth coming back to at some point. It just might be a sale thing. But it won this year. Mike Salbata had nothing bad to say about it. He plays it with uh, many other people at the site as well, which makes it that much more fun. And I think that's the real joy of it too, that you can kind of quest along and build with your friends. Yeah, right. I can see the appeal of that. Exactly. And it's it's all what you want from it, right? Like I would have a, a good old time with uh, Gwen in this, for example. And I think that's mm-hmm. the bigger appeal for me, even though I like Minecraft and can get lost for hours just setting myself to a project i'm a self-starter when it comes to minecraft but uh otherwise yeah it's not for everybody like one of my closest friends here he's never wanted to try minecraft because he's just like what's the point why what do you just go out and just have to figure it out why would i do that (laughs) it's just it's not for everyone but but you know but you know what's really fun greg what is really fun the enemy is approaching caution the enemy is approaching. Caution. The enemy is approaching. Caution. So you. The enemy is approaching. So Caution. What? I'm so sorry. I had to. It's one of the worst parts of Left Alive. Were you, were oh. you, were you looking for that as soon as, you know, ever since he said Left Alive? I have, I have been wait, I've been waiting to use that clip for at least five minutes. Oh my now. god. <laughs> <sighs> Oh, gosh. Again, there's a reason why it didn't make this list. Greg is in the middle of a flashback right now, and it's not a good one. (laughs) Very appropriate, given. Jumps a level further, which reminds me of, uh, Master, your batteries are running low. And with Fee crying at you, it's just, oh, mm, inane inane, uh, AI is super obnoxious. So quick, someone mod Skyward Sword that it includes the audio from Left Alive. Oh man, <laughs> or vice versa. <laughs> oh gosh, uh, no. What really is fun, uh, aside from um, trauma flashbacks to Left Alive, is Cadence of Hyrule, Crypt of the Necro Dancer. I want to play this so bad. Its music is so good, and that's not just the only reason to play it. It's fun that they've taken the the Necro Dancer rhythm aspect. It's got like a cool rhythm combat. And they've applied it to Legend of Zelda. And the stylization of Necrodancer works so well 
with uh, The Legend of Zelda's art style, so having those two mashed up. Plus, I know one of the voice actors who got to work on it. She worked on a film with me, and she's a sweetheart who works here in Vancouver. So there's that extra level of I want to support them. It's, oh, I can't wait to play it. I'm sad that I've waited this long, but it's just one of those acknowledgements of I know if I buy it now, it's just going to sit there because time and things to play on the website and for life. And, oh, my gosh, I can't say enough good things about a really good music, fun uh, rhythm game. Oh, my gosh. Uh, how about you? You you folks. Hey, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I haven't played it, but uh, it, it, it is kind of on my radar, even though I'm not, like, the biggest Zelda fan, just because it seems like such a really cool and unexpected uh, a mashup of, of games. Like, I don't know that... I think we were all kind of like, huh? And then, whoo, when it got announced. Because it's like, you, you don't necessarily think about pairing up these two games. And it but it, to it work seems like it really works. Yeah. Just having, like, the main character from Necrodancer just kind of drop into the world and then making it all work is fantastic. Yeah, it's really it's a really neat concept. Um, I haven't played the game myself yet either, but um, I have had the soundtrack in my rotation for quite a while. It's pretty dope. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely outstanding. And unfortunately, I'd never played Necrodancer, but this put it back on my radar of things I wanted to be interested in. And um, it's definitely on my list of backlog stuff to get to both titles and if the, the level of polish. And that speaks to the company as well that nintendo was willing to release their rights like that's another thing that made us also kind of go huh what like they're getting a lot more uh free with how they let companies use their brand as especially as they're branching out into mobile games as well so they're they're starting to not be so insular and it in cases like crypto the necrodancer which was loved by jonathan logan it's to its benefit yeah for sure uh at either way it's on my list of things to play this year for sure uh, anybody else? Uh, you know, well, Caitlin, you said you're interested, uh, but Tyler, are you wanting to get into Necrodancer? I played a little bit of the original. Uh, I I lack rhythm, so I I'm not I'm not really good at rhythm games either. Um, but <laughs> yeah, it's probably not something for me. That's fair. It's uh, I'm uh, as this list goes down, I'm getting a clear and clear picture of Tyler's. <laughs> Um, gaming oeuvre and why he sticks to the RPG genre. Yeah. Can I take my time? Can I do it at my own speed and my own rhythm? Is anybody requesting me to do anything other than just do things the way I want to? No? Good. This is the game for me. Exactly. <laughs> and then they throw in a random quick time event and you're like, I'm done. <laughs> oh, gracious. Yeah, it depends on the quick time event, but yeah. <laughs> I feel like there's some stories to be told there. Well, both oh, yeah. solid entries, we reviewed them both quite highly, and I don't see any reason why no one would want to explore these from our list. Uh, moving along, we've got some good remakes and re-releases, which also branches into Legend of Zelda. Link's Awakening was our winner. I um, Man, we've... Remakes have been a thing for a while now. It's hard to... When was the first... When did this really become a thing? Was it films or uh, games that kind of established, oh, this is the way we're going now? I think films have been doing it for ages. That's fair. But it really started hitting the gaming industry like midway through this decade. I can't think if before that we were getting a lot of like the remasters and stuff. I'm trying to think of what the first one could have been. But we got a lot of good ones throughout even this past year. 
Caitlin, was FF12 this past year or was it 2018? Oh, it was not this past year. Okay. It, uh, it was 17, right? I think it was 2017. Oh, has it been two years? Actually. Oh my gosh, I'm so behind. It came out on Switch recently. Maybe that was this year I'm thinking of. And we got Dragon Quest XI S dropped this year. Uh, I mean, we've been anticipating Final Fantasy VII Remake for ages, and that's been pushed back. So, like, it's definitely the way things are going, and we're not sorry for it. I mean, some some games just didn't quite land as well as they could have, given technical limitations of the time. Then sometimes we get remakes that are heinous, like Final Fantasy V with its hideous mobile sprites. <laughs> uh, either way, if they want to take it in a new direction or not, the Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening was a welcome reveal when they, it was just this past E3 that it was revealed. Was it not? Or was it the year before they revealed it? Was it 2018 or 2019? I can't remember how long they've been teasing it. I think it was late. I think it was late 2018. Yeah, like one of the Nintendo Directs or something. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure on that though. Um, I don't know if anybody else has played um, Nintendo Land as much on the Wii U as I may have with having a child who loved playing it, but... The style was immediately like the Nintendo Land game for Legend of Zelda. And this is one of those games where it, it works beautifully. Like, the new take on it was is, is super fresh, and it's super fun. I've played a bit of the opening moments of the game. Everything is there from it. It's just streamlined and just looks better, sounds better. The Game Boy title was great, so it didn't need to be touched. But this is one of those remakes where it's like, yep, yeah, we'll take it, because they did a great enough job that it stands on its own two feet and doesn't take anything away from the title. Um, I know, Caitlin, Legend of Zelda is not your bag, so you probably won't be diving into this anytime soon, if at all. No, yeah. probably not. And there's nothing wrong with that. But, uh, Peter, Tyler, have, are you going to be adventuring in this one? Have you played the original on the Game Boy at all? Yeah, I played the original. Um, I, I missed the remake last year because it just came out at a busy time. But it's on my to-do list for this year for sure because it looks adorable. I, I love to I like to, I like 3D Zelda more, but I do enjoy 2D Zelda, and Link's Awakening is just one of the best ones. So I'm excited to get into it. It looks it looks great. Mm-hmm. Tyler, I haven't really played much 2D Zelda. I've I, well, I've really only beaten like two Zelda games my t- entire life. But this look, it look, I mean, it looks pretty charming. So I, I might give it a try one of these days. Gotcha. That's more of a if it's on sale kind of thing. Yeah. Tyler, do you have a 3DS? Yes, I do. Play, play Link Between Worlds. You'll thank me later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Absolutely. It's so good. Link Between Worlds is great. It's really fun. And it's a good way to get into the 2D Zelda worlds while it's still kind of 3D-ish, and that'll probably translate really nicely into playing this as well. It might give you that. It, it, it plays very differently from the 3D Zeldas when you're playing something that's based on the 2D mechanics. All the puzzles function in such a different way. And, like, I played through... The two Oracle games, that's the closest I've gotten to mm-hmm. Link's Awakening, and I played a little bit of DX, but uh, this will be like my first actual like commitment to Link's Awakening, and I'm excited for it, because it's yeah. set so highly on so many people's pedestals in the uh, franchise for so long. Like You were just saying yourself, yeah. it's one of the best ones you've played, too. Oh, man, dude, if the Oracle games that get this kind of remake treatment, I'm going to freak. Oh, right? Like, yeah, it's <laughs> the puzzle solving is, is so fun. And, and it, they just did such a good job of adapting 2D Zelda to, like, Capcom did a great job with it. And uh, I'm glad, mm-hmm. again, that Nintendo let the reins go for one of their prized characters. It worked out beautifully. And the, it was random, like, platforming moments where all of a sudden it feels like you're playing Mario briefly and there's Goombas. And <laughs> it's so bizarre. Yeah, no, it's just... Su- it's so much fun. It's, I, I, was, I just always thought it was really funny that like 
three of the best Zelda games were outsourced to Capcom. Right? <laughs> but, I mean, they got pedigree, and it's no no surprise that they succeeded. Yeah, and they've been on our roll lately, so... Yeah, exactly. Then we got Collection of Mana, which was another one of those collective, like, what? When that got surprisingly dropped on us at E3 and came out the same day, and so many people's switches lit up to immediately get it, like myself. Uh, it was inside yep. of a few hours that I was like, I am getting this because the biggest draw, obviously, was Trials of Mana. But getting all three of these titles was something I think a lot of gamers have wanted since the collection was teased back in, I think it was 2016 or 2017, that it was getting its um, Japan release. And we all were hoping, like, does that mean we'll get it localized? That mean we'll finally get a localized second Densetsu 3. And then it was quiet for ages. And then all of a sudden they're just like, hey, by the way, this is the thing. And oh, you can do it now like yeah oh my gosh it, yeah mine was blown uh, and but i think by that point a lot of people had just kind of given up on the well, of course on on it coming over here like and th- and then they announced the remake and i was like okay that's cool yeah it looked fantastic it, it looks pretty fun the, the, the other two like remakes weren't that great so i wasn't like super over the moon about it and then they were like oh by the way the original game is coming out over here and you can buy it and i'm like Say what? <laughs> well, exactly. And so we get all three of these uh, fantastic games. And yeah, we've gotten a million different versions of Secret of Mana. And say what you will about the remake. It didn't land well. Trials of Mana, though, looks to be shaping up in such a way that they are learning from their mistakes with that it, remake. So it, it looks like they're actually it looks like they're actually putting effort. In. Exactly. <laughs> and not just kind of translating it to a 3D world. So that's going to be really great. And then getting these games yeah, that you can play them in high def on your Switch and I was able to kind of visit Final Fantasy Adventure, which I remember I dabbled with briefly on the Game Boy. I haven't played Secret of Mana yet, just because, again, I played that game to death. Recently, I had it on my SNES Mini, so I played it a bunch on that as well, but I will eventually get Mm -hmm. back to it. But Trials of Mana has been a blast. I played it for Retro Encounter. Absolutely loved it. I've played less legal versions back in the day, so I know I've always wanted it this way. And uh, Gwen and I are almost finished our playthrough. We are in, like, the final dungeon. We were actually playing a bit last night and um, that's been a super fun adventure for her, and she has so many questions and love for Trials of Mana as well, and she's played through Secret of Mana, so, you know, she's got she's got um, taste, and uh, this game has just aged so beautifully well. The pixel art's fantastic, and it was just so nice to have it, so this collection was very welcome. I'm glad. Uh, have you gotten through Trials of Mana, Peter? Uh, no, I have not finished it yet. Um Again, it came out. It, I have like I I've been um I played uh, Adventure the first one through, and then I started um, Trials of Mana after that. I got stuck in Adventure, and I had to restart. <laughs> it's 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 rough, but for like a Game Boy game that you're like it it, it holds up surprisingly. Yeah, well. the gameplay is but, what um, carries it. I mean, it's got some charm in its presentation, but it it was surprisingly fun to play. Hmm. Yeah, no, and 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 uh, yeah, no. Trials of Man is a fantastic game. It's just, yeah, it's uh, this year is going to be like me playing catch up pretty much. <laughs> That's totally fair. Caitlin, have you ever been? A, I've never actually talked with you about at any point about any of the Mana games. Were you ever a Secret of Mana kid? Uh no, I never played any of the Mana games. Really? Yes, I know. I'm so bad. Well, I'm sorry, guys. It's okay. I still play well, so, same. Power, so. Same here, same Well, here. that's more recent. That's more forgivable. I feel like people are... When you say you haven't played a, like, a classic game like Secret of Mana or Chrono Trigger, people like look at you with like, and you call yourself a gamer? <laughs> How do you work for RPG? <laughs> hey. Give me your card. Yeah. yeah <laughs> hey, look, Rob, 
Rob revoked my gamer card when he found out I haven't played any Resident Evil games, so... <laughs> there's always something for someone, and as much as that shocks me, I mean, it's all what you're exposed to, right? But now there's just so many more, uh, so many different versions, especially of Secret of Mana, that it's almost like, how have you not? But again, it's all time, like, there's so much to play, and if it just has never really quite been on your radar... Like, for you, was it a question of... Uh, for either of you, I mean, Tyler, I, I feel like it's a given. It's an action RPG, so I feel like I know what your answer is going to be. But <laughs> for Caitlin, like, is again, was it the action RPG aspect, or was it just like your folks just didn't buy it, you didn't really want it? Like, what was it about the game that you never got into it? Um, It wasn't on my radar, uh, for the most part. And yeah, when I, you know, back in the day with the SNES, like, you know, I had to either rent games or, you know, beg my parents to get them for me. And I kind of like, you know... That limits what you can what you can play because you you obviously can't ask for a lot and there were other games that I was more interested in that I wanted and then by the time you know I was making money and able to buy my own stuff um, we had you know progressed beyond the sixteen uh, bit graphics and it was it it's um, strangely enough I'm I'm more interested in playing you know old retro style games now than I was back then because back then I think you know the new hotness was you know, 3D graphics yeah. and, and, and getting ever closer to like, you know, photorealism. So I was, I was less interested, but I think now that, you know, we've kind of reached a bit of a, a plateau where, you know, modern games look really beautiful. And of course, new console generations will look even better, but like we're, we're used to that, you know, amazing graphical fidelity style that I think it's easier to, to find the nostalgia and the appeal of playing older games. And now the problem, of course, They're is so there's just simple. so much on my backlog that I, I don't know. I, I have so many games that I, I, I already have bought and that are on my shelf that I still haven't gotten to. It's hard for me to think about going to other you know, classics and, and, and picking them up because I know I'm not going to play them anytime soon. So it's something and I that, get that, you know, sure. down the road, uh, I would like to, to, to rectify, but it's, it's going to have to be like a really slow year. Like the, this, the first half of this year is ridiculous with the amount of releases coming out, just new games alone. I still have a huge backlog of games I want to play. So. Nope. That's yeah, totally it's reasonable. It's going to be a while. And Tyler, is it, I guess, is my, my prediction is correct. Well, mm- Mostly, um, I did have an SNES. I started with that, but I didn't really get into RPGs until the PlayStation One. Um, but and then you would have I, had, I, um, Legends of Mana, which was great, but you it, it only kind of worked if you knew what you were doing, right? <laughs> yeah, but I I did watch a friend play the Trials of Mana um, on the Switch, and it looked really good. So I I did buy the collection. I haven't started yet, but I will play them eventually, or at least try to. Well, the Switch is a great place for it because having it on the go is fantastic as well because it works well for that. And it's just nice to see where it's from. And like you were saying, Caitlin, mm-hmm. like we have kind of hit a plateau of what to expect from a lot of games these days. But the biggest thing, too, is they're all getting bigger and more complex and there's a lot more time commitment. And definitely we can look a lot to um, the indie realm for a more simpler, uh, I guess, gameplay experience. But it's nice to go back to stuff like Final Fantasy Adventure and Link's Awakening and just have something that harkens back to a simpler time, so to speak, because it's just, it doesn't demand much from you. You just play it and you just play it for the sake of having fun. And if you're not having fun, then you play something else. But these games just are like, just play me. You don't have to think too hard about it, mash some buttons and you'll get through it. So both good remakes to have on our systems. Uh, And the switch is a great place for those, of course. 
I mean, people say that we're Switch heavy. I am also surprised they don't say that we're Final Fantasy XIV heavy. But anyways, that's a whole different thing. So moving along, we talked about expansions before. Uh, and those are a bit different from DLC. Because now we have our best DLC. Uh, which again, uh, the winner was a weirdly uh, RPG adjacent winner. Um, uh, does anyone here Smash, bro? Because uh, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate got uh, Joker from Persona 5 and the hero from Dragon Quest. The latter of which was, again, a very, like, what? Actually, they were both pretty astounding, I think, uh, for people who are fans of either. Yeah. But uh, hero, the hero hit me harder. Watching the internet implode when Hero got announced because so many people wanted Banjo, and then Banjo <laughs> being announced, like, at the same presentation was probably the funniest thing yeah. that happened here. <laughs> it's absolutely true. I was prepared for the massive mountain of salt, and then, and then yeah. But still no Waluigi. <laughs> Yeah, Waluigi's in a sister trophy already. Plus, we don't need to give him more, more, another, more of a platform. I feel like he's probably not the greatest character. Just, you should just steal it and just make Waluigi bro, Smash Bros or something. And he's probably a libertarian. But um, <laughs> either way, like Joker and Hero are both really fun characters. Um, Hero is uh, Hero is like RNG hell, but he's really fun. So they translated like RPG mechanics fairly well. Then is what you're saying? Yeah, no, because he pulls up basically he pulls up a command menu, and you get four random Dragon Quest abilities, so, and you have to like quickly cycle through them and pick one. Um, and some of them can range from turning himself into metal, um, which makes him invulnerable to all attacks except for another hero's metal slash, um, and a, a, expl- a self destruct effect that like has a really wide uh, range. He can. Um, he can whack and thwack people, which is just instant death. Um, yeah, those are brutal spells. He can reflect projectiles. He- Hero is like Hero is dope, and then Joker is just super fun as well. He's got a load of utility. He's got great recovery options. Once you charge up um, Arsene, um, then he's got then it, he gets even more powerful, and you have a mementos as a stage. And it's great. It's, uh, I love. I love Smash Ultimate. That game is super fun. Well, does the Joker? Because it sounds like yeah, they definitely hit the Dragon Quest mechanics. I don't know as much about Persona Five though. But do you feel again they translated Persona Five combat mechanics well enough into Smash Bros? I mean, not. not I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that that much. It's more like, but they do fit Joker's like Phantom Thief aesthetic very well. He's got a grappling hook with pretty wide range okay. that you can also use offensively. People figured out that it is really easy to grab somebody, knock them in the air, grappling hook, yank them down, knock them again, grappling hook. You can basically juggle people. Um, he's a joker. Get it? Anyways. He's got a gun. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I like. It's just... It's... <laughs> Sorry, finish your thought. No, it's just, it's, I just like in the presentation, Joker's special attack is gun. <laughs> then we'll get Shadow the Hedgehog doing the same soon. Uh, anyways. <laughs> oh, God. Don't remind me. <laughs> I just love how when they brought in Cloud 2, because I was curious how that was going to work. If it was just going to be outright, like, he's just going to beat people up with a big sword. So is he basically going to be another Fire Emblem character? But they interpreted his limit breaks into things and that whole mechanic. And so it's really neat to see them translate beloved rpg characters into smash bros in such a way that you still feel you're playing the mechanics so joker seems a bit more it just kind of made into a smash bro character with the flavor from persona 5 but it's hero sounds like it lands really well for being interpreted into um the smash bros world from its rpg roots which is really cool Uh, i haven't smashed if this recent release just because 
I just knew it was a big rabbit hole to get into, and I was like, I still have barely even touched the one on the Wii U as it is with just time, and it just hasn't been a priority. So I figured, why put the money into it? Tyler, are you a Smash Bros. fan? Again, I, I'm guessing at the answer here. Um. Well, I I like it. I mean, I I play I I only play it with other people when I can, um, and I haven't really gotten the DLC. I'm kind of waiting to see what the last character is. Please be Cosmos from Sinnoh Saga. Um, but well. The nice, the nice thing is, it's not going to be the last character because they already announced there's going to be a second wave. That's true. That's true. But yeah, I don't. I only play it if like someone asks to play it. I'm not huge into it, but I'll, I'll play it. I mean, I'm personally not that good at it either, so I usually get my ass handed to me. Yeah, I will. I will freely admit that I'm not very good at Smash, but I mean, I don't think anyone really is. That's a lie. I've seen prof- <laughs> there's some professional, pros who are professional, pretty good. <laughs> Oh, pro Smash players scare me. One of my friends plays um in like the competitive scene here in Grand Rapids, and she is like unstoppable. It's 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 kind of amazing. <laughs> uh, well, that being said, our second one is much more rooted in uh, what we cover here. And Fire Emblem Three Houses has its whole season pass, which that game has a lot going for it with a lot of expansion and uh, of the story and more characters to bring into Gargamel Monastery. I haven't gotten far enough into it because, as I uh, said on our Last episode I was on with Caitlin that uh, it's one of my gaming resolutions is to get through Fire Emblem Three Houses. I know, Caitlin, you obviously haven't gotten far enough to really get into this too, but the the season pass is something I plan to pick up because I know I'll want more. Uh, Peter, have you beaten Three Houses? Yes. Um, I've, I've beaten one route. I'm going to replay and play the other the other ones um, uh, late, soon, hopefully. Um, but I have the season pass. The major story expansion they're doing, I don't think that's out till April, so I can't really comment on that. But um, they've been steadily adding new costumes, um, a few new little mechanics, like you can finally pet the animal, um, interact with the animals in the monastery. Very important. Which is long overdue. You can feed the cats and they will give you um, items sometimes. You got so. a dead mouse. Nat- Yay, thank you. Naturally, naturally, I made it my mission to feed every cat in the monastery, because come Good. on. Good. Um, crazy cat byleth <laughs> yeah pretty much they they added a sauna you can interact with characters to boost your relationship with them and that's uh, you know but pretty much it's you know it's anime <laughs> um yeah it seems a bit uh, indulgent. uh the default cost the costume they added for byleth is way better than her default outfit so i use that for the mm-hmm. entire game sorry i couldn't um, <laughs> i couldn't hear you over caitlin's eyes rolling what no <laughs> yeah no i will freely admit that when i get to the to three houses i'm gonna get the expansion pass solely so i can get rid of violet's horrible default costume because yeah. i i want to play as female violet but i don't want to have to look at her horrible costume for you don't the want name. you don't want to be the uh, the goth the goth gf of the fire emblem universe no <laughs> although unfortunately my biggest problem with her outfit is is not really the outfit it's how stupidly huge her bust is in that character model for no f- Reason. oh sorry that's okay i got i got things for that <laughs> okay <laughs> well yeah and it kind of goes into yeah. the, the xenoblade chronicles issue too of just like unreasonable modeling and it's weird pirate pirate's weird swimsuit costume yeah they would both look a lot more appealing i mean the costumes are st- there's still problems with the costumes themselves but their their busts just are like what why well exactly yeah target audience i guess yeah, there's but. definitely an element of marketing <laughs> but it still doesn't take away enough from the game we've talked about that that despite uh some of its anime indulgence it's not heinous and it still makes the game is very playable yeah. just regardless of your sensibilities 
and uh, I'm excited to get more of it. And yeah, that story content addition will be uh, welcome to this game because there's already so much to unpack, obviously, and then just getting more of it will likely be quite fun. Uh, and Tyler, I think we talked a bit about Three Houses that, again, the strategy RPG stuff isn't really your bag. Yeah, I mean, I'd really I'd really like to play it. Um, but yeah, that's a... I'm, I might try it just one of these days. I mean, there's pr- probably difficulty options, right? Yep. Yes, there are. Okay. All right, I might... Yeah, honestly... You, you can set it to a you they, they have the the traditional classic mode where characters will perma die they have um oh. as well as a casual mode where your characters come back at the end of the mission and um there's also a sliding scale of like of difficulty that can range from like easy to lunatic difficulty, okay. which you probably want to avoid oh. if your if your life depends on it but um <laughs> uh but yeah, so you have a lot of flexibility in how hard you want the experience to be. Personally, I would I would recommend um, keeping classic on because I don't really see the point otherwise. But um, I'd be oh, so, come on, I'd be so anxious. I, 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 I don't. I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not that person. Don't get, don't get me wrong. I'm mostly just teasing. Um, because if you're playing on casual mode, your characters come back at the end of the mission, so it does it changes your play style a little bit. But mm-hmm. other than that, it's not really a big deal. Okay, I'll. I'll make a decision. I would personally recommend casual. Okay. Because I that's what I played on and I enjoyed my playthrough not having to worry or save scum in order to not lose characters because that's what you do when you play on classic is you, you so just reload time. and you still don't lose people. It's it's, <laughs> it's less time wasty. Although with three houses you can rewind rewind turns which does make it a little yeah, more bearable. Last episode so you too. don't have to Yeah. Yeah, you don't have to restart the whole mission, which is nice. Okay. Th- then I, that I totally agree with. That was a waste yeah. of time. No, that's totally uh, good. But either way, if it's only like a lukewarm title for you, and it's getting into the whole season pass may not be your thing, but you could get hooked. And it's just nice to know that it's there. So we've got some good stuff to look forward to um, mm-hmm. with either of these DLC pieces. So if you if you like Smash Bros, but you want some RPG in there, that content apparently was quite stellar. Like you just sold me on... If I were to ever get Smash Bros. Ultimate, I would definitely be getting the hero uh, DLC just because that character sounds rad. I love how that mechanic sounds. It seems so neat and adds a, a really fun element of, I guess, a bit of chaos, but also some s- cool strategy to it. And then just getting more three houses is going to be great. Um, so rolling along, that's a lot of like the big uh, kind of uh, coverage that we had on the features all like the main titles the 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 standalone stuff and now we're going to get into more of the nitty-gritty we'll give you a tease of it before we move into uh the third part of this series but uh, a couple things we wanted to cover is uh whatever but the first thing we're going to cover from getting into the more finer points of many of these games is best combat from 2019 um sorry it was a big thump there is the best combat from 2019 uh you everyone plays your games in different ways and i guess Combat can either be like your turn-based classic strategy game or your more action RPG stuff. I mean, I didn't talk about it earlier when we were talking about Secret of Mana, but like I loved Secret of Mana's combat and having the the fun twist on the RPG mechanic of getting uh, into the action and charging up your weapons and leveling them up and getting different attacks and all that sort of stuff was super neat, but still enjoying the numbers ticking up and numbers appearing when you hit things and all that stuff was cool. And uh, I've kind of always liked more innovative combat but you know as we've been teasing tyler about it there's still something to be said about the turn-based combat too of just your classic rpg that's just so satisfying as well like 
there's a reason I work at RPG Fan. I like RPGs no matter which end they're at. I don't quite follow, um, uh, I don't quite go as hard into like Dark Souls and stuff, but uh, probably the closest I got to that was like, would be Monster Hunter. It seems like a nice happy medium for me with World, which was a runner up in this category, but our winner was The Legend of Heroes Trails of Cold Steel 3. Caitlin had a lot to say about it on the podcast not uh, too many episodes ago and the the combat i think was one of the highlights for you as well um because the systems were is it more or less the same system i can't remember now from like cold steel two, it's uh, one and two the and, same and then they've revitalized it with some extra mechanics now um it is basically the the same basic system from cold steel one and two but it's there's there are little tweaks and additions that make it run smoother and and give you more options in combat so it's the same it's turn-based everyone gets their turn uh you have uh crafts which are like special skills that you can use that are all nice and flashy and unique to each character you can uh, you can equip quartz which let you perform uh arts and also boost your stats in various different ways and this is quartz uh, like the gem not like quartz of of the volume (laughs) Yeah, no, this is this is like they're little crystals that you fit into like uh, your 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 device is called orbments that let you cast magic. Thank you for indulging my oh. stupidity, uh, Peter, with that giggle and for explaining it, Caitlin. <laughs> I'm sorry. Nope, I really appreciated it. Anyway, so you get quartz. Sorry for interrupting you, Caitlin. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the basic, you know, you have stranded attacks, you have special attacks, and you have magic, and it's all turn-based based on, like, you know, your, your stats and speeds and things like that. Um, what's nice about Cold Steel 3, first off, really uh, more of an aesthetic thing, is they changed the UI uh, with Cold Steel 3. So it, if you, it looks very similar to Persona 5 in the sense that you use the directional, uh, the D-pad and the face buttons to do your different attacks as opposed to in the previous games in the Cold Steel series where you had a, a ring that you would rotate to use different things. So it makes it makes the whole uh, process a little bit faster in terms of like how do you access the different parts of the battle system because no, you, you don't have to like rotate around, you just push a button. And both sound to make this whole mechanic more um, active in like your traditional turn-based system of just like selecting through menus and touching anything. Like that just seems a little more um, engaging. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it, it's it it helps you sort of get right to it as opposed to, you know, having to go through multiple menus to, to find what you're looking for. And then the the other new things from this uh, system are the Brave Orders and the Break System. And the Brave Orders use, uh, they basically give you a new way to use the Brave Points, which were in the previous two games, um, but were largely just used to do follow-up attacks with either like your, your linked partner or the entire party. But now you can use those Brave Points to give orders to your party, which gives you various different stat buffs. Like it can increase the amount of damage you do. It can increase uh, the amount of, uh, of break damage you do. It can, it can uh, speed up your turns. You can use it for all different sorts of things. So you can, it can be very versatile in, in terms of how you want to uh, strategize and, and make uh, use of it during combat. And in fact, you can, I mentioned this before, you can use Brave Orders to really break the game in different ways, which is kind of fun because you've always been able to break the game in the Cold Seal series, but now you have this whole new system that you can use and take advantage of um, to break the game or to really save your ass, depending on who you're fighting. 
And then the brake system is entirely new um, in Cold Steel 3. Uh, basically, every enemy has, they, they have, they, they take damage to their health, but they also have a brake meter that they take damage to as you attack them. And when they, when that, that meter goes down, they enter a brake state where they are vulnerable. They lose their turn, uh, they take more damage, um, and you can basically pound on them and do lots of extra damage when they're in that state. So a big part of the combat system now is um, figuring out ways using brave orders, using uh, different quartz to boost like your, your break damage to increase how much break damage you do to an enemy so you can get them into that state faster and then really wail on them. Um, and that kind of changes the flow of combat a little bit uh, from the previous games, um, where, whereas the, the, the old Cold Steel games, uh, delay was king. You, you wanted to use delay to... Uh, push back an enemy's turn so that they did not get their turn as often and you could just keep, you know, uh, attacking them. But now, while you can still do that in Cold Steel 3, the focus is more on breaking enemies and getting them into that vulnerable state. So it kind of changes up a little bit what you do in terms of how you approach a fight, how you're equipping your, your, your party members to take advantage of that. And it can also be really abused if you want to, to make things, you know, pretty trivial. And, you know, that we, we talked about that on, on when I was on. We did, about, yeah. you, you remember know, you saying that, how easy it was to kind of, not necessarily yeah. abuse the system, but you can definitely, like, the advantage is very real if you know how to manipulate the system. Yeah, and I think ultimately, I think that's cool because you don't have to do that. You can you can ignore that and uh, just treat it kind of normally and just do it the way that they kind of intend for you to do it. But it's also kind of cool that if you you know spend the time to equip the right things and to strategize your party members and your brave orders, that you can really take advantage of that. I think that kind of shows the flexibility of the system in allowing you to experiment and do crazy things with it. So. It's a lot of fun. It's really like, you know, it's ultimately the best version uh, th that we have over here in the West so far uh, of that of that battle system, even though there are little issues here and there that, um, that crop up. But it's a lot of fun, and it's just, you know, it's good stuff. It's a good time. Yeah, and I can't think of any other... I mean, well, we had uh, other different... I mean, like the, the Bravely Default system and the Break Boost system from... Uh, like Octopath and Bravely Default, like they seems like there's uh, my brain without understanding the context of Cold Steel, it kind of goes there of just, again, manipulating different points to kind of give yourself more turns or more activities and stuff to do in the system mm -hmm. itself in the battles. But uh, so it sounds like that to me in some ways, but it, it just seems like they're, they've really done a good job of innovating that turn-based system, which is super fun. Yeah, definitely. And, and I can see it. Yeah, it is kind of, it's semi-related. It's It doesn't quite work in the same way, but the basic concept of trying to take advantage of turn order and, and you know, get as many turns as you can in before your enemy attacks is kind of the same. And it's uh, it's an interesting, it's one of those things where, like, it's a nice a bit of strategy to add into. Like, it's still, it's, it's a turn-based RPG. It's not a strategy RPG, but you have these little elements in it that let you strategize uh, how things play out. And that's always kind of fun. It's always feels a little bit more, just a little bit more cerebral than like a standard uh, turn-based game where you don't really have that, that kind of the ability to manipulate uh, the flow of combat like that. Yeah. And that's kind of how it has to innovate. I mean, you're either going to go purely leaning into this is just a traditional RPG like you know and love, or yeah, you've got to innovate on it. 
Tyler, this definitely seems more in your, your realm. And I can't remember last time when we were talking about Trails of Cold Steel, whether you had gotten into the series. And I think you said you had played something in the earlier ones, like Legends of the Sky or something, or Trails in the Sky or something. Or Oh, oh yeah. I've, I've played the first two right. uh, Sky games. And then I have played, I did uh, beat the first Cold Steel. And then I, I don't know if I got kind of burnt out, but I, I, had, I started playing Cold Steel 2, but I haven't beaten it. But the combat system, I mean, do you, uh, is that kind of, is this kind of the direction you'd like to see, like, that standard turn-based combat go? Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, I, I'm really interested, especially with the simplification of, like, being able to cycle through your menu, like what, yeah, what Caitlin said, I, that sounds really awesome to be able to just press a button like Persona 5 and get through things a little bit faster. Um, I do have a question, though. Are there mm-hmm. giant robots in the third game? Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. There are giant robots. They make a return. And uh, let's see it. Depending on how far you got into Cold Steel 2, you may not have gotten a huge taste of the uh, the Divine Knight combat. So there's there's lots of that in Cold Steel 3. and uh, changed the shape it, of the battlefield in a lot of ways. Well, I mean, it's different from on foot combat. It's the the divine knight combat isn't really that different from Cold Steel Two. The uh-huh. only the major change is that you now have more than one uh, party member in most <gasps> fights. Okay, so there's more All robots. Right. So, so you're speaking Tyler's language. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. There are more robots. Mm, yes. <laughs> and Peter, uh, this is like this. I like I like the way this combat sounds. And like the more I hear about it, the more I want to play any of the Legend of Heroes games. Um, but yeah, for yourself, Peter, you weigh in on these options. It sounds like a lot of fun, and uh, yeah, the games are definitely on my radar. It's just, yeah, question of time. But I, too, enjoy turn-based combat and political intrigue and giant robots, so I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm, all, I'm, I'm all in on this at some point. Well, how do y'all oh, feel yeah. about giant monsters? Monster Hunter World Iceborne, I threw this on the list, and it went through because, again, the combat is one of the biggest things you're coming for, because you're going to do a lot of it in Monster Hunter World, unlike something like Trails of Cold Steel, where... It has a lot of character development and a lot of uh, story development. Story in Monster Hunter, I understand, has probably been pretty thin from the get-go. It's all just a vehicle to hunt more monsters. And if you don't like the mechanics and you don't like the combat, then you're going to enjoy it. Uh, hence what you know Peter was saying when he tried try. It was eh, lukewarm to him. And if you don't like it, then you're not going to enjoy the rest of the game because that's basically all it is. And it was the same for me when I tried... Oh, I want to say it was one of the generations one. There's a demo for it on the 3DS and I bounced off it because I just found it very, uh, it's a very deep system and very obtuse when you don't quite know what you're getting into, but Monster Hunter World made it a lot clearer what you're getting into and the investment in your skill comes with those rewards. So as I revisited the game, when I got into Monster Hunter World Iceborne and definitely got off to a rocky start by the end of it. Like, even on my Insect Glaive, uh, which is, like, this double-ended spear thing that you get, and you um, it comes with this, like, little, like, beetle that attaches to your arm, so you can send it out, and it gives off a powder that, uh, when you swing at it, it'll, like, cause different status debuffs on the monsters and stuff like that, or it can regenerate you by stealing health from the monster. It does different things, plus it'll, the, the beetle will buzz around for a time and attack the monster for you while you're running around with your your weapon and with it you can launch yourself into the air and start doing a bunch of like aerial attacks and if you once you get good at it enough you can start juggling it into combos and no you don't juggle the monster but you yourself are juggling through the air and just ripping by it doing a bunch of damage 
redirecting yourself and ripping by it again without landing. And by the end of it, I could keep myself airborne for a good long while. And it was really satisfying to go like, oh, I'm, I'm actually good at this now. When did this happen? And the combat is very rewarding for that. Like once you understand how to exploit the different weaknesses of the monsters and how to use the terrain to your advantage, it gives a lot of strategy and using like traps and different um, ammunition and stuff like that to exploit what they're weak to in terms of like they're poisoned or paralysis and wearing the right armor to nullify what they can do. Uh, like one of the things about Iceborne is it shows the return of some monsters like Tobikadachi, which traditionally in the Monster Hunter World base game is like this lightning flying squirrel snake lizard, which sounds awful, but it flips around through trees and electrifies itself if it gets agitated and hits you with electric attacks. So they brought a new version called Viper Tobikadachi, which has that mobility still of being able to kind of flit around and attack you really fast, but it also can poison you and paralyze you. And it just stomped me. That sounds fun. <laughs> yeah, it like it just it stomped me, and I had to kind of go back and okay, what what kind of things can I get for myself? Whether it's a charm or armor that will nullify these abilities. And once I got the right abilities, I was able to just turn that right around on it and use those strategies to my advantage. And it's really nice to see that work out. And then, like I said, there's the catch claw now that makes you more versatile in battle as well. The whole combat system is just so much fun about Monster Hunter World, and that's what's going to make you keep playing it when you move into Iceborne as well. But if you don't like action RPG combat, and it's really not going to do it for you. And it always depends, because like, I like action combat a lot. Zelda and Kingdom Hearts are two of my favorite game series, but those games aren't very technical in their combat system. It's pretty much one, maybe two buttons, um, and it's more based on your... Uh, in Kingdom Hearts especially, it's more based on stats, like a traditional RPG. Yeah. Um, I did get into the um, the From Software uh, bug last year. And, and um, this is more akin to that, for sure. Yeah, exactly. And it's one of those things where it's like, I, I totally get the, um, uh, the appeal of overcoming a challenge and adapting to that challenge. It is really satisfying. I don't always have the patience for it, but I'm also stubborn enough that like once I get into it, I'm like, okay, nope, I'm going to keep ranging my head <laughs> against this brick wall until it falls over. And so... And that's... Yeah, so I can totally see the appeal. Yeah, of that. and I would say then, like this is kind of like a lighter version of it because I'm the same thing. I I've, I've gotten to the from software bug for a bit with Dark Souls, but they're far more punishing uh, if you don't quite get the mechanics right. Whereas this one's a bit more forgiving. It's almost like an arcadey version of that. You know, um, if you understand what I'm saying, where you find like a lot of arcade action games tend to be a little lighter and more forgiving with their mechanics. Like uh, even to say to. Uh, to Caitlin, it's the difference between playing like fight, Flight Simulator, whatever, we're on 23 now, and playing Ace Combat. One is going to be a lot more technical and expect you to know how to actually fly a plane, whereas the other one's like, here's 50,000 missiles, zip around and have fun. Mm, yes. You know, and that's basically what this is. You know, you can go in and be very technical in From Software's various games, but Monster Hunter World, yeah, you'll get punished if you suck, but you can recover a lot easier as well. Plus, you also get a couple different lives. And now that they added some expanded um, abilities for like your palicos as well, because the palicos have their own abilities, which is why they're there to support you. And one of the thing is a um, it's a like a vigor wasp. There we go. That uh, they're little creatures that you can endemically find in the world. That they have these little green blobs under them, and if you attack them, they'll it'll drop the blob and it heals you. And you one of the palico powers was they would summon one of those for you and give it to you in combat when you're hurting. And now they have an ultimate power up if you level their skill up further that one of them will revive you once in battle so 
you can give yourself four revives throughout the battle and one for free without any punishment of losing um, money. Any rate, so it's it's got a lot to offer for people who are willing to get into it. But it's again, it's it's the more digestible monster hunter that we've had in a long time, and I think it's a great starting point for anyone who is interested in the series for sure. And the combat is yeah, definitely no exception to what. But what am I trying to say? And the combat is definitely the biggest appeal. So if uh, yeah, it's it was it was a lot of fun, and I, I I found joy in it once again going through this whole game and the grind of it. So uh, yeah. For sure. So uh, that's all we have time for today. This is going to be a three-parter. I was hoping maybe we get through this in two, but we still got more to talk about uh, if you're still willing to listen. You know, we'll have other regular episodes coming out soon enough as well, so you can just skip over these if you don't want to hear us talk about them and find your own thoughts. But it's really nice to kind of unpack, I guess, this stuff. I'm I'm very interested in hearing different people's viewpoints as to why they have or have not played it and what they've found in each of them. So thank you so much, you three, for joining me on the podcast today. No problem. Yeah, thanks for having me. Always. And hopefully we'll be here for part three. That would be nice. Uh, we're going to be moving on into best visuals, so I really do hope that Peter's here for that, because speaking of Kingdom Hearts 3, it's in that list. And we uh, still have a lot more uh, to talk about when it comes to Shadowbringers and uh, Cold Steel 3, because they, uh, they definitely had a lot of winning things <laughs> on our list. So... Uh, hopefully we'll have all three of you back and then maybe John will join us once again when he's uh, done all of his uh, traveling around for the holidays in the meantime folks uh, you can email us at podcast at rpgfan.com or you can find rpgfancom on the Twitter and Instagram and let us know your thoughts on uh, the features whether you're listening to the podcast or reading along I'm sure people will have thoughts to share on Facebook all that sort of stuff so thank you as always for everything you're sharing on the next episode, there's going to be uh, reading gamers' thoughts that they've shared with us about what their experiences were in 2019. So thank you again for sharing that stuff with us over here at RPGFan.com. RPGFan.com. There we go. <laughs> and finally, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you on part three of our Game of the Year feature. Bye. 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 Caution. The enemy is approaching. Caution. Treason, bye!